Can your desire for godly fellowship be the start of a revival? We are a product of our environment. Is anyone a product of yours? Are you ready to face the truth? Face the Truth is the weekly podcast from the Truth Church of Olathe, Kansas, with our pastor and Bible teacher, Bishop Gregory Riggin. Thank you to everyone who is listening. I trust that today's episode will be a blessing to all those who tune in. We continue this series of questions from new converts with Brother Chase and Brother Miguel, and the conversation for today's episode focuses on the true feeling found within the heart. It is imperative for the children of God to maintain focus on what is pleasing to Him. Scripture gives us instruction in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Bishop Riggins stated in a recent message when referencing Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh, he explained it this way, If there is nothing coming out of your mouth, there's not much in your heart. I want a thank you on my lips and a praise coming from the depths of my heart. Let's join the conversation as Bishop Riggin shares more Bible-based insight on keeping the influence of the world out of your heart and how to share the gospel to those that are hungry. Now, I know people who like to drive on empty and especially today's prices that's right <laughs> that's true just put a few dollars in and let's get by with a few dollars won't even buy you a gallon now right but you know i'll buy one or two gallons worth i'll, I'll put ten dollars worth in yep. that's what two and a half gallons right now <laughs> that's right by the time this episode is aired who knows what it'll be but but about two and a half gallons well that's not going to get you very far Whereas if you would go and fill the tank one time, just bite the bullet, fill the tank. And then when it comes down $10 worth, then go back and put $10 in. It's the same $10, but you're keeping your tank full because one of these days you're going to embark on a journey where you can't stop and put that $10 in and you're going to need a full tank to get to where you're going. Sometimes $10 will get you if you're only going a short distance. But once in a while, you're going on a journey that's going to cost you more than that. And we don't always know when that's going to be when it comes to our spiritual journey. So it's better to always stay full Amen. than to take a chance on running out. Hmm. And a, we do run out. Yeah, that's an amazing <laughs> analogy because from somebody who's literally put gas in at one gas station to go to another gas station to put gas in just because they take that certain card. You know what I yeah, mean? Like yeah. I've done that. I've put like 50 cents in just to get down the block to use my credit card before. Yeah. And it's yeah. not fun. Like it isn't fun when you're growing up and you have to constantly go to the gas station and put five, 10 bucks. in. I know me and Miguel have literally split quarters to put gas oh, in yes. sometimes. Yes. But like, I like that analogy of when it goes down 10 bucks, that same $10 will fill you up versus give you 
a quarter tank. Right. Mm-hmm. And just like the analogy that Miguel likes to use, like when you have that glass of water on the table and if I were to bump this table, I'm sorry if I, I bump the table, the water's going to spill out. Right. Right. But you, so if you're full, if you're full of the Holy spirit and you get nudged a little bit, it's going to, you know, you know, what's going right. to come out. So I really like that. But can you apply that same logic and the same scriptures um, to yourself, like, can you just for just a brief second talk about negative self-talk? Because I know in my house mm. we we have like a new rule that we're trying to implement: no negative self-talk whatsoever. Like, even if it's uh, this kind of stinks, like no, like turn your mindset around. Because I've noticed little different things just in the verbiage that I describe something with, just using it positively and using love instead of even yes. even the other day it was raining and I was like, this is a beautiful day. <laughs> And I was like, Amen. what is going on? I was like, it is a beautiful day because guess what? The crops that are in the ground need the right. water to grow yes. for us oh, to eat. Yes. Right. Need it. So Help it's me. like those thoughts I never really had before. And it's like, you know, you always pray, you pray for food, but then you curse the rain and it's all part of the process. Can you just speak on negative self-talk and how you talk to yourself and how that dishonors God because he gave us these all these tools and stuff. And if we're supposed to love one another the way we want to be loved. Why are we not loving ourselves that way? Right. And can I just chime in real quick? Sure. First Please and foremost, do. I can't take credit for that analogy. I got that from Pastor Riggin. <laughs> so, because he said with the full table and it gets spilled, praise better come out. So, See, I, that was, I can't take credit for that. That's when you know we've been out getting together a lot because now we're just saying the same things over and over again. Right, and I right. love it because that's just building that, that relationship foundation. Right. Um, but I did want to highlight something that you mentioned earlier. Um, so you mentioned on the topic of um, tearing people down. And I know you mentioned our generation, and it's so hard for me not to think about where we're at with teen suicide rates higher than they've ever been. Yeah. So many people, anxiety, depression, and they don't know how to deal with it. And just people don't realize the power of cyberbullying. Like we were when we were in like middle school and stuff, that's like when it really took off. People can literally be on the internet miles and miles away and just tearing someone down and they don't realize like they're just trying to build themselves up because they have their own issues that they're battling and they're taking it out on someone else and they don't realize the actual devastation that's taken place by the power of their words to these people so it's just it was something that i just hit my heart because it's just in this time where there's so much anxiety depression and like all these suicide rates are higher than they've ever been in our youth and people just don't realize that it's the devil using them to tell these lies about especially if they're a child of god and someone uh, someone's just lying to you about who you are and what your worth is and just tears them down and now they don't even get to see their life because they just let it affect them because so much power is in the words that these people are saying to them so it was something that just hit me when you said that like just tearing people down between cyberbullying, using technology, yes. you don't even have to be face to face with people. Like you can just start going in on these people, and it's just it's sad to see. But uh, I just wanted to throw that in there because it was yes. something that. Uh, and it really ties in to what Chase said with the scripture that I was about to read to you, uh, Proverbs twenty three verse seven. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Now, that's a powerful statement. As he thinketh in his heart, so is he. So this is where you want to address negative talk. Jesus said that from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. 
So when there's negativity coming out of your mouth, it means there's some negativity in your heart. Mm -hmm. Well, the book of Proverbs said the way you think in your heart is what you will become. And this, this is how all of this comes together with cyberbullying. Because what's happening to young people is they're being made to feel like they think in their heart that they are worthless, that there's no hope, there's no way to change, nobody loves them. These negative thoughts that are in their heart start forming and taking root until they become exactly what they think. They think less and less of themselves until they reach a point that they think they're nothing. And if they are nothing, why not just end it all? And they become what they think. This, this is why it's so important to have these positive thoughts, to, to dwell on, or Paul said, think on these things. Uh, Another great scripture to make note of. This is Philippians 4 and 8. He said, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Now, that's a, that's a great checklist. When we start thinking negative thoughts, thinking bad about ourselves or about others, go to this checklist and ask yourself, are the thoughts that I'm thinking right now with, within the line of what Paul wrote here, how do these thoughts line up to being true, honest, just. And, and those that have been convinced they're worthless, they say, okay, it's true, it's honest. But let's come on down. Pure, lovely, of good report. Those negative thoughts don't fit those three things. So even if we've convinced ourselves, okay, it's true, it's honest, is it lovely? Is it a good report? He said, these are the things that we ought to be thinking on. And why? Why does it matter what we think on? Well, again, because as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So if you'll start thinking about things that are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of good report, things that have virtue, things that contain praise, if you'll start thinking on those things, that's who you become. And then you don't have to sit and think about it because you become that person. And it naturally flows. It's, it's a cycle here. So that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. These positive things are coming from what you have thought on. What you thought on is what your heart fills up with. What your heart fills up with is what comes out your mouth. So it all begins with the thought. And again, that takes us back to, to Psalm 1914. Let the words of my mouth and 
the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. So not just my words, but what I'm meditating on, what I'm thinking about. Lord, help me to think about the things that would be pleasing in your sight. Does that make sense? Definitely makes sense. And I know we're spending a lot of time on this question, but I really think it's really important and, um, Kind of, I know there was like two parts to it. I was going to see if you could go on that uh, second kind of the question. Um, how important it truly is to have a, yourself surrounded with a positive environment and just making sure you have a spiritual family and just being with the body of Christ to have like that um, edification to build you up when you are down and like making sure, I don't know the scriptures uh, off the top of my head, but I know I'm pretty sure it's Solomon who talks about the importance of like staying away from wicked people and sinners. And I think Paul highlights it too. Like, and even John just don't even be around them basically, you know? And that's something as a new convert that I always wonder about. Cause like God can save anybody, you know, he can change anybody's right. heart. So it's like, I'm supposed to stay away from the sinners and the wicked people, but God, I thought you could save them too. So it's like, I know how important it is to be in the positive environment, making sure you're surrounding yourself with your spiritual family. But it's like that uh, baseline of like, I'm trying to help these people get saved, plant the seed any way I can, but the scripture says I'm not even supposed to be around them in any way. So like kind of highlight that if you could. Okay. Yeah. Again, everything has to be taken line upon line, precept upon precept. In other words, we don't want to just pull one phrase or scripture out and try to build a doctrine, a teaching, a philosophy on that one thing. But we've got to take the whole picture. So there are scriptures like 1 Corinthians 15, 33, be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners. Now the word communications there... The English language has evolved, and when this was translated in the 1600s into English, that word communications meant something different than it means today. There, it actually means companionship, close contact. So close contact with evil people will corrupt your own good lifestyle. The Apostle Paul also said in 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? What concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? What agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, will be their God, and they shall be my people." Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. So, yes, you're right. We have a scriptural command to not be unequally yoked, to not be in close communion with those that are evil. And yet, we also have a scriptural command that we are to win those that are evil. So how do we balance this act? What, what do we do? The scripture never contradicts itself. So again, take line upon line, precept upon precept. Anytime we think there is a contradiction, the answer generally is both are correct. 
So it's correct that we have to win them. And it's correct that we don't want to be unequally yoked with them. Now there's the key because there is a difference between being yoked with them and just being around them. Being yoked with them means that you have created a bond. In, in, the, in the biblical days, they would put two, let's say, two oxen together or two cows together in, in what was called a yoke. And it was a wooden device that hooked around their necks so that both of them would plow together. And one couldn't get ahead of the other. One couldn't lag behind the other. They had to work together. There was this bond there that was created. So what we want to be careful about is creating these bonds that tie us to wicked people. We want to be careful. And, and literally in this particular passage, what Paul's talking about, he's talking here about relationships among males and females. That's what he's really dealing with in this passage of scripture. And what he's really saying is don't, don't go out and marry someone who's not a Christian. So there, the bond there that is created is the bond of marriage. And that's a yoke that they were getting into. And Paul's saying, look, you're going to have problems. One of you believes one thing and another believes another thing. Especially in Paul's day when if they weren't a Christian, they were usually heathen that worship many gods. They were going to want to bring their idols into the Christian's home. And he's saying, you marry someone like this, and they're going to bring this stuff into your home. And what are you going to do then? And so you don't want to create these bonds, but there's a principle there that goes beyond marriage in that we don't want to create any kind of tie or bond with wicked people that keeps us tied to them. We do want to try to reach them. So here's the advice that I give somebody. Do your best to reach someone. Do whatever you can to share the truth with them, which that's going to usually involve spending some time with them. But in the day that you see that they have got a greater influence over you than you have over them, that's the day to break it off. When they're causing you to say things, do things, think things, that you know are not pleasing to God, that you and your heart and your spirit feel uncomfortable with, when they start putting you in bad situations that you wish you could get out of, that's when you know it's time to walk away. But as long as you can remain in control of the situation, as long as you could be the one who guides the conversation, then, then stay at it and give it your best. And it doesn't mean that you're walking away forever. It may just mean their heart's not ready. But they may well remember the times you tried to reach for them. And then they may reach a crossroads in their life where they say, boy, I remember Miguel talking to me about the Bible. I don't know what he was saying, but I probably ought to go find out. And then they come to you and their attitude's totally different. You see, so it all depends on who's in charge in these situations. And you always want to make sure that they're not the ones doing the leading mm -hmm. because they're not going to lead you 
in what David called the paths of righteousness. They're going to lead you in the paths of unrighteousness. If you can lead them in the paths of righteousness, lead on, my brother. Everybody you can. Same thing's true even if somebody maybe is not trying to get you to think wicked thoughts, but you're trying to share this truth with somebody. You're trying to explain to them how they need to repent. They need to be baptized. They need the Holy Ghost. But they just keep throwing up all these arguments. It's just argument, argument. It's not questions. They just want to argue. At some point, you have to say, you know, I'm not accomplishing any good. And they're really starting to make me question. And when it reaches that point, it's time to walk away. I don't ever mind questions. And and I think I've shown that to you guys. (laughs) Yes, sir. I don't ever mind questions. But an argument's another thing. A debate is another thing. If somebody just wants to sit and debate me or argue with me, that's going to be a very short-lived conversation because I'm not interested. Mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't like arguments. I don't like debates. I love conversation. Let's talk. Let's hear your questions. Let me give you Bible answers. And then again, if you've got a Bible question I don't have the answer to, I'll admit I don't know, but I'll go find it. Or ask someone that will know. But if you're just trying to argue because you don't want to see the truth, then I've got people that are interested that I'm going to spend my time with. And at that point, this is, it sounds rude, but this is what Jesus said. He talked about casting pearls before swine. And you understand the analogy. Pigs don't appreciate a pearl. Mm-hmm. I don't care how expensive that pearl is. A pig sees that on the ground. That's just more food for that pig. <laughs> right. yep. He's just going to eat it. He has no appreciation for the value of it. And that's what Jesus was saying. He really wasn't calling people pigs. He was saying they have no real appreciation of the value of what you're trying to share. They don't know. And so there does come a time when you have to sit down and ask yourself, is that what I'm doing? I have a pearl that is of great, great value. And I want others to understand the value of this pearl. But I've spent two hours with them. I've shown them scriptures. They've admitted, yeah, the Bible says that, but. And we just keep coming back to this. Am I at a place where all I'm really doing is showing this valuable pearl to someone that will never appreciate it? If that's the case, I appreciate the time you've taken. It's been nice to know you. Maybe we can get together again sometime. But there's somebody out there that wants to hear what I'm sharing right now. Now, There was something I was going to add. Fellowship is valuable. And I was calling back, in some of the epistles, you'll find a statement that it says that you may be refreshed, meaning you'll find rest or solace. But it's typically written, the Apostle Paul, he may reference it, someone gave him an update, and he'll name some labor in the gospel that we can't hardly pronounce. But they gave him an update on the status of the church, and they refreshed him. It was that update, that good news. But we have that same good news as fellowship among Christians we leave a setting such as this one 
and we should be refreshed. We should mm-hmm. have this renewed vigor. There should be that hunger and desire that starts to rise up within each and every one of us, regardless of how long you've been around church, known truth. It's because we have experienced the good news. And even when you take that conversation outside of a believer environment, you should still be refreshed because you're sharing the good news. And it's with that same conviction that leads and guides your conversations so that in that talking with whomever it may be, you're sharing the good news, you're expressing the good news, but the moment, just like Bishop said, where it goes to where it's the bad news, then they have full control of that conversation and you don't leave refreshed. So for me, if I'm around someone and I don't leave feeling better about myself, that person didn't help me even if they don't know exactly their walk with God is not um, in truth, but they're going down a path of hunger and desiring, it still pulls the good news straight to the top of my heart, and it's fresh, and it's live. It's pruned. I appreciate it. But when someone is sitting there spraying bleach or some corrosive all over what I believe and love, and they'll say, yeah, but, and that's all their conversation is, I don't leave refreshed. Just like that fellowship of the letter with the Apostle Paul, but when I come around his, the believers of the body of Christ, in this setting, it could be even a church setting, going to McDonald's, grab an ice cream cone. I leave feeling good because I have been surrounded by people who believe this. And so that's where, talking, going back to both of y'all's comments of the word you say, the thoughts you think, it's that refreshing. That's what the Holy Ghost is. It's that refreshing inside of each and every one of us that renews us and brings us closer to him. Wow. Yeah, everything both you guys just said was super helpful. And I'm just seeing it as like, what is the cost? How much energy am I going to expend? Right. Like really like to almost hurt myself in a way where I'm just going to put it all on the table and then end up coming back and hurting myself or having negative effects on myself because there's a cost to like expending this energy to someone that doesn't have their ears open, whose eyes aren't open and their heart isn't even in a posture to receive. So it's just being able to look yourself in the mirror and be like, okay, maybe this person isn't ready. Just take a step back. Cause I know me and Chase can be hard on ourselves in that aspect. It's like, we were just praying about it today. Like we want to, what can we do to make sure our close friends and families get led to salvation? Like what, what can I do? And we both have people in our lives that they know the Lord and like, I guess you can call them backsliders or whatever, like prodigals even like, it's like, what can I do? What can my role be in this? But at the same time, it's like, I don't want to expend all my energy to hurt myself in the long run if they're not going to even listen to me, you know? So that was very helpful in that regard. So, you know, even Jesus made a statement when he sent his disciples out He told them, this is Matthew chapter 10. It's an interesting thing. He says to them, whosoever shall not receive you nor hear your words when you depart out of that house or city, shake the dust off your feet. So Jesus was well aware that we can't reach everybody. We should try. We should give it everything we've got to reach everybody that we can. But Jesus was well aware of the fact that some people you just can't reach. They have made themselves unreachable. It's not that God can't, it's that they won't let him. And if they won't let God reach them, you're wasting your time. And so he says, just shake the dust off your feet. In other words, it's just time to move on. And we actually read where 
the apostle Paul did that very thing, went into a city and just met rejection. And, and the Bible records, he literally shook the dust off his feet as he left that city because he knew we've wasted our time here. These people don't want to hear. And that's the great apostle Paul. Right. Right. You know, if, if there are people Paul couldn't reach, yeah. If there were people yeah. Jesus couldn't reach, wow. there are going to be people we can't reach. That's true. And as much as we love them, as much as they may be our friends, they may be family, who knows? But we just have to accept the fact that there are some people we just won't reach. And sometimes we just have to shake that dust off and move on. And then when it comes to, to being around the right people. I wanted to read this. This is from Acts chapter 2, which again is, is the birth of the church. Acts chapter 2 is where the church is born. It's where it comes into existence. The Bible says of this brand new church, and, and what a great church it becomes, right? But listen to what they did in the infant days. Acts 2 verse 42, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, that's great. They're, they're letting the apostles teach them truth, but that's not all. And fellowship. Fellowship with whom? Well, they're not fellowshipping the people that don't right. agree with this. Mm-hmm. They're fellowshipping those that have come in to the church with them. And everybody's brand new at this point. Yep. Everybody's a new convert. And they are learning one another, and they're spending time with one another. Fellowship, breaking of bread, and in prayers, and fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. So here's what I want you to see. This fellowship had a purpose. Definitely. And it caused them to grow stronger together, and as they became stronger as a unit all of a sudden, they start seeing miracles happen. Wow. Signs and wonders are taking place, and it's, it's being born out of two things that are going on. The apostles are teaching them, and they're fellowshipping with one another. Out of those two things, miracles, signs, and wonders... Verse 44, and all that believed were together and had all things common. They sold their possessions, goods, parted them to all men, every man had need. Verse 46, and they continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. So they just continued this process. We're going to let the apostles teach and we're going to fellowship with one another. Let the apostles teach, and we're going to fellowship with one another. Miracles are happening, but that's not all. Listen to the next thing that is born out of this process. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Amazing. Wow, wow, wow. Every day now he starts adding more, not because they're out there just making it a big deal to try to fellowship the people out there, but because they became one as a body and started fellowshipping one another. God started performing miracles and their love for one another and growing together as a body 
is what gave birth to new people coming in. Look, you start seeing miracles happen, word's going to spread. Right. People want to see that kind of thing. That's so true. And so miracles start happening as the body comes together. And when the body comes together and those miracles happen, you know, you can sit down and say, hey, let me show you what I saw in the Bible. And some people will get excited about that. But when you walk out and say, hey, we had a blind man in service last night. And he walked out of here seeing, somebody's going to say, where is this church? Right? It's going to get their attention a whole lot more than just let me show you this Bible verse. But the way all of that happened, it came about because the apostles were teaching and the people were fellowshipping. So they surrounded themselves with the right kind of people. They made sure that those with whom they were hanging out, if you please, spending their time were people who had the same mindset they had and they learned to strengthen one another and help one another. We can, look, we can, we can spend all of our time. I have, honestly, I'm just being transparent. I have a hard time sometimes as a pastor doing what I'm about to tell you, but it's easy for me to spend all of my time cheering everybody else, encouraging everybody else, counseling everybody else. And, and then I find myself at the end of some days or weeks or months just like spent. And I'm thinking, you know, I needed somebody during this time <laughs> right. Right. to encourage me. Yeah. I, can, I can give, 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 give all the time. But at some point, I need, to, I need to let people encourage me. And the same thing can be true. You're so fired up about reaching others, and you need to be. We all need to get more fired up about reaching others. But don't let it be at the cost of fellowshipping with those who can put back mm. into your life. Because wow. you go out there and give to them, you're emptying out. Somebody's got to put it back in there, or you're not going to have anything to give to the next one. So, so find that balance, find that place where, yes, I'm giving, but I've got to receive in order to give. There's got to be something coming in in order for something to go out. We don't all have just this unlimited reserve, preachers included. <laughs> We've got <laughs> to receive. Let the questions from a new convert challenge you to speak of the goodness of God and to surround yourself with like-minded believers. You are influential. Make an impact on every person God places in your life. You do not want to miss next week's episode, as Bishop Riggin will share a dream that brought revelation to the familiar passage in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Please join us next week on Face the Truth. Thank you to everyone who has joined us for today's podcast. We want you to know that we are here to help you in any way we can. If there is anything we can do for you, please don't hesitate to contact us. Send your prayer request to prayer at olathetruth.com. That's prayer at olathetruth.com. If you live in the Kansas City metropolitan area, we invite you to join us for our services this week. Sunday morning at 10, 
Sunday evening at 6, and Tuesday evening at 7.30. For those who cannot attend, we will provide a live stream on our Facebook page, our YouTube page, and our website, olaythetruth.com live. Until our next podcast, take care and God bless.